The Beat Church in Pflugerville, Texas. Bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. jump into everything else. Uh, Brandon, I want you to come up here, bud. I know you don't want to do this, but that's okay. I want some people, we're going to come up here, we're going to gather around Brandon right here. We're going to just ignore COVID for a second. This guy's been going through a rough patch, right? He's had a few deaths in the last couple weeks of people that he cares about. Uh, He has some people say some disparaging racial remarks to him in a parking lot. Um, Just really has been under a lot of just, just attack the last couple weeks and just been just hurting. When he's hurting, I'm hurting. You know, when he's hurting, we're hurting because this is our family right here, right? This is our family. And so let's get a few people up. Let's put hands on him. We're just going to pray, man. Just for the encouragement of the Lord to come upon him. And just for these, uh, just discouragements to come off. You know, Brandon's not an attendee. You know, you're not an attendee. We're a family, right? When one hurts, we all hurt, right? We all care for each other. We love each other. Father, we just lift up Brandon right now, God, Lord. We just take off, Lord, all of this discouragement, Lord. Lord, all this weariness, Father. Lord, all of this, Lord, accusation, God. Lord, your word says, Lord, that the devil is the accuser of the brothers, Father. So, Lord, we cast off the work of Satan, Lord, over his life, God. Lord, that would accuse him, Father, of, Lord, even racial slurs, Father. That would accuse him, Father, of, God, not being good enough, not being valued, Father. Lord, whatever would come against him, God, Lord, we come against that, Lord, in your name, Father. Lord, when the enemy of the Lord comes in like a flood, God, your word promises, God, that you will raise up a standard, Father, against it. So, God, we raise up a standard, Lord, against the attack of the enemy. Lord, we declare, Father, Lord, your identity, God. We declare, Father, your uh, calling over him as your son, Father. Lord, that you cared enough, Lord, for Brandon, God, to lay down your own life. Lord, in order to restore relationship with him, Father, and to add him to our family, God, Lord, we just declare, God, the blessing of the Lord over his life. God, Lord, that the old is gone and the new has come, Father. Lord, he doesn't have to measure up or fit in or try to fix everything. God, he can rest in you, rest in your presence. God, rest in your love. God, rest in your approval. And Lord, with that, God, the approval, Father, of his family. Lord, of his brothers and sisters, God, that are here, Lord, that that put their arms around him and love him and care for him. God, Lord, we thank you for it right now. God, we pray, Lord, that instead of, God, discouragement, God, you will bring joy. God, you will bring overflowing, abundant joy, Lord, and what the enemy meant for evil, God, you will use it for good. Or what was meant to bring him down, God, you will cause to be a rebound, Father, Lord, to lift him up. God, just to cause him, Lord, even to go to new heights, Father. Lord, God, I just picture, Lord, those toys when you push them down, Lord, in the spring and you try to stick them to the table. But, Lord, once the stick wears off, God, they spring up even higher, Lord. God, spring them up in you, God. Do a new thing and a new work, God. Lord, that he'd look back at it, Lord, not as a time that he was torn down, but, God, as a time that he was actually, Lord, sprung up. God, spring up a well, Father, within his soul. God, do something new, Father. Lord, we thank you for it, God. 
Lord, we thank you for it, Jesus. Lord, we love him, God. We thank you for loving him. Lord, we thank you for loving all of us, Lord Jesus. God, we pray, Lord, you hear the cry of his heart even right now, Lord. Lord, the tears of his heart even right now, Lord. God, your word says, Lord, blessed are those who mourn. They'll be comforted, God. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Lord, we pray, Lord, over him right now that your word would be made, Lord, to be true. God, not to come back void, but to accomplish what you sent it to do in his life. Lord, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You know, this is, um, you know, this is not my church. You know, you won't find me a lot on the website. I'm not all over the place. It's God's church. Right? And God loves and cares for people. And so we're here, not because we're perfect, not because we're great. You know, I don't want cameras in my own house watching all my moves or a body camera watching all my little, <laughs> we had a conversation yesterday at the men's group. Pretty funny, is Ernest here today? Ernest isn't here today. It's funny. He said, I haven't seen anybody get angry. You know, I, I've been with, I've been with, he's talking about somebody specific. He said, I've been with them a lot. I've never seen them get angry. And they had talked about having to work through some anger issues. I don't know why I'm buzzing, but I'm buzzing worked through some anger issues, and he said, um, i never seen him get angry. I said, Ernest, it's because you're blind, buddy. <laughs> and he started laughing, and he said, well, I haven't heard him either. And I said, well, that's good. You know, we all know, how, we all know how to hide some of our weaknesses, right? We all know how to hide some of our struggles and come in and just be the happy guys that we're supposed to be, be the happy ladies we're supposed to be, and do the church thing. But we're his people. We're his people. His people saved by the grace of God, right, Art? That's what we are. And so this is God's church, and he wants to minister to people. He wants to minister to you. He wants to minister to me. And we're going to get into his word, but, you know, really getting into his word is just an opportunity to hear from him. That's what we can. Amen. Um, all right, fathers, we get into your word today. Lord, we pray that you'll help us to understand it, Lord, in our heart. God, help us to change. Lord, not because you don't love us, but God, because you do love us. You love us enough, Lord, to help us to live a life, Lord, that's worthy of our calling as your children, Lord, to live a life that gets in alignment with who you are so that our life can bear the fruit, Lord, that comes, Lord, from being healthy, Lord, from being whole, and from walking in the newness of Christ, Lord, we pray that we would receive it in that way, all the way into our spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. All right. That's baby talk for amen, which I super appreciate. Just encourages me. I know baby talk. Um, the day Jesus lost his mind. Anybody in here ever feel like you're losing your mind? Okay. I know my wife should be raising her hand and my kids. I mean, not pointing her out specifically. There's days you feel like you're losing your mind, right? It's like, I'm losing my mind. And you do everything you can to try to hold on to it. If I could just get a hold of it, 
and everything would be okay, right? I just got to get a hold of myself. I got to get a hold of my mind. Like things aren't working the way that I thought they would. Things aren't working the way they're supposed to. I'm losing, totally losing my mind. You know, maybe you're at work and your boss is just a little crazy, right? And they, all these things are happening and the pressures and you're like, oh, this is causing me to lose my mind. You know, you go to school, and we know that teachers are amazing and awesome, and teachers never do anything wrong. Teachers are perfect. All the kids are a mess, and they're terrible, and they just aren't very good to their teachers. But if you're a kid, it doesn't feel like that, does it? Because it's not true. Sometimes teachers are a little crazy. I had some. I know I was a perfect student, so I can testify from experience that some teachers are a little crazy. Sometimes you just feel like, I'm going to lose my mind. And then you try to plan or have vision or have goals, because that's what you're supposed to do to have a better life, right? I mean, that's what they t- that's what they've been telling us for years, right? Self-improvement, make yourself better, have a plan, have a goal. But what happens when you have self-improvement, a plan, and a goal, but other people aren't cooperating? It's like, I'm trying to better myself, and you're making me worse. <laughs> what are you doing? Right? Or our own selves are making us worse. We're getting frustrated, or, or we are like, oh, I'm going to do all this, and I'm... You know, there's people that started businesses or moved out in different things and then COVID hit and shut things down and then all these things are going on. It's like, I'm just trying to do this. I really don't have as, as much control as I think I do. And if you don't have as much control as you think you do, how can you really get your life into that groove where everything's working right? To where you feel like I can have my mind. My mind is set. Everything's great. Everything's working. And I'm not losing my mind because it's just all so Everything's just so wonderful. Well, there's too much craziness in life to ever get there. I'll just tell you that right now. It's just not going to happen. Because right about the time you think it's all getting smooth and stuff, something else happens. Something else goes on. Something else changes. Something else moves. And you just, this is life. It doesn't change. And so we're going to get into what Jesus kind of gave as a pathway here. This is Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. I'm going to hit the Matthew 4 parts pretty quickly because I really want to get into Matthew 5. Going through the words of Jesus. This is the temptation of Jesus right before he stops his ministry. Okay, the first temptation was about provision. Satan was coming and tempting him to turn these stones into bread because he was fasting. Like, hey, turn this into bread and eat it. Jesus is like, no, I'm carb-free. Don't do that. I'm keto. And he doesn't do it. But this is the verse he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So the temptation really was self-provision. God's not going to take care of you. You're starving. You're hungry. You're fasting. That's what God has for you in this time of fasting and doing things. So you're not going to get provided for unless you do it your own way. Well, I have to do it this way. You know, I have to do it like this to get provided for. And yet, no, Jesus said, I'm just going to go by the word of the Lord. I'm going to try to walk in his ways and I will be provided for. I'll get what I need. Okay, so provision was the first one. But that's different than the way we think in our own minds, right? Okay, so this is the first part where Jesus starts to, and I say lose his mind. I'm saying, what I'm really saying is that the mind of the flesh, our natural mind, wants to do things a certain way. And Jesus is throwing these things off one by one. Losing them in a sense. He's saying, no, I'm not doing it like that. If you want to be provided for, you've got to figure it out and do it this way or take care of yourself. This is how it works. And then you get into situations where it's like, I can't figure out provision or provision is destroying my life or maybe provision is happening outside of the way that God would have me to do it or whatever the case might be. This is is how it's going. And then 
we throw that off and say, no, I'm going to step into how God wants me to be provided for, right? That might be being a workaholic and overworking. The only way is this way. That's the only way. Well, that's not biblical. The Bible says that in vain they rise up early and go to bed late, eating the bread of anxious toil, because God gives rest to those he loves. He says to honor the Sabbath day, keep it holy. I mean, God gave us these instructions about rest, but the natural mind says, I can't do it like that because I have to do it like this. And he said, I'm throwing off that natural mind and I'm going to align myself up and believe that spiritually that the Father has a better plan, a better way of doing things, right? Maybe it's cheating on a, on a job thing and pulling a little extra money or maybe it's cheating on some hours or maybe it's doing something that's, you know, there's different ways that this can happen, but it's, he's saying, no, my provision comes from God, from the Father. And so Matthew 4, 7, protection was this, hey, if you're really God, throw yourself off of this building and the angels will come and save you, right? It's this doubting, this questioning of whether or not God will really protect you, whether or not you're really protected and safe, or do you have to worry and stress and have anxiety, or, you know, I prove it, show me. Right? And he's like, no, I don't have to do that. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. I'm going to trust. I'm going to believe. I'm throwing off this, this constant need for, to be proven. Prove it. Show me. Prove it. Show. No, I'm just going to believe and have faith that God's for me. And I believe and have faith that he, he has my protection and my back. That he's covering me. That he's with me. That my identity is secure in him. Then he talks about bowing down and all of, the, his, all of these kingdoms of the world will be yours. You know, you'll get the respect you deserve, the adoration you deserve, the build-up, the encouragement you deserve. It'll all come if you do this. And Jesus says, no, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. There's a trust that if I'm doing the right things that God will bring me honor or bring opening that he wants me to have, right? And so it's a different way. Our natural way wants to do what? To prove ourselves, to show ourselves, to make other people see what, what we're doing. Like, acknowledge me. Make me important. He's saying, I don't have to do that. God will honor me. God will lift me. But I first seek him. I first look for his way, right? So Jesus is throwing off these natural ways of thinking. And then he does some miracles. And he's starting his ministry. And here's here's the message that he brings. We're looking at the words of Jesus. What did he say as he starts his ministry? Matthew 4, 17. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So he didn't start his ministry by coming out and saying, calm down, I love everybody. He does love all of us. But he started his ministry with repent. Well, repent from what? What he's really talking about here is repent from this. Repent from wanting to do it your way all the time. Because that is the original way that we got into trouble. Adam and Eve was the knowledge of, of good and evil. They wanted to be like God. They wanted to make their own decisions, do their own thing. They want to run everything here, right? And we know that what goes in our mind, right, works down into our heart, and it becomes who we are, what we think on, what we meditate on, what we do. And they want it to be their own way, and it begins to get down in their heart, and it begins to create separation from God because, no, it's my way, and now it's my heart that way. And so he's saying, repent of that. Turn back to God. Turn back to me. Allow me to be the one that helps you to think. Allow my ways to be your ways. It's a repentance, a change. The kingdom of heaven is here. Well, kingdom is a rulership and an authority. That's what it is. If you move from this kingdom to that kingdom, the authority changes. The rules change. The provision changes. How everything's done changes. When you move from America and you go to Canada or you go to Mexico or you go to Africa, you go to wherever, 
those nations or kingdoms, they don't have kings, but they have different leaders, different rules, different cultures. You literally are moving into something that's run differently. And so to step into God's kingdom and to move away from trying to do everything my, my natural way, I step into his kingdom. If I bring all of my natural ways in because God just loves me, that's true, he does. But the problem is that now I'm living in this kingdom that runs totally different, but I have not assimilated myself into that culture. And if you've ever gone to another country or another place where it's not your kind of language, it's not your culture, all that kind of stuff, it is a difficult way to live. It's fun when you're sitting on the beach, but when you need to find a bathroom, it's hard. It's like, man, I wish I assimilated, I wish I knew what to say or do. Like, I'm hungry, I'm starving, I don't do... When somebody's trying to trade money with you and you don't know if you're getting the right amount, like the whole thing becomes hard because I don't know the culture. Like I don't know what's going on. So when God says repent, he's saying, you know, I love you. I've died for you. I've given you a new heart. Now I want to move you into my kingdom. Well, part of living in his kingdom is then to say, okay, what is your culture here? What is it? I'm going to assimilate and change. Lord, I'm going to learn your language. I'm going to become like you. I want to do things your way. It's not, well, that's fine, but I want to just continue to be myself. Do everything my way. That's not the invitation that he's giving. He's giving an invitation into a kingdom that's different, into a way of living that's different. And then he says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. What does he mean by that? He means that you're going to get people and bring them into his kingdom. And what are we fishing for, believers? Belief is good, but that's not what we're searching for. Just people that say, okay, I believe in Jesus. That's not what we're fishing for. Because Jesus later says, go and make disciples, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. We're trying to actually fish for people and find people and draw them into the kingdom of God that are willing to say, do you know what? Not my way, but your way. Not my will, but your will be done, Lord. I want to change. I'm coming in to live and to be like you. And what happens when we profess Christ as, we say, oh, I believe in Jesus, but we don't assimilate and change ourselves and move into his culture... We end up divided because this is me, and yet I feel this is God's way, and yet I always feel uncomfortable. I feel not at peace. I feel not at ease. And this isn't just about sin, although it does include that. It doesn't mean, well, you know, I keep on getting angry and I'm bitter, but God says to forgive. And so now I'm a Christian and I'm here, but yet I always feel unsettled. Why? Because I'm holding on to offense. And so I'm living like in my flesh, in my mind, a bitterness. And yet I'm trying to say I love, God loves everyone and God's caring for people. And yet, see, I'm divided because I'm not loving. I'm bitter and I'm angry. I haven't forgiven. So I'm living this dividedness, which is painful. It's what they used to do to people back in the like 1700s, 1800s, even back in the 1300s, is they would draw and quarter them. They'd hook them up to horses and split their bodies. A horrible way to die. Just tie them up, stretch them out until they break. Sometimes you can feel that way when you're trying to live two different ways. Why am I, why am I, you know, why is it I believe in Jesus, but I feel so stressed out all the time and so anxious and just so like not at peace? Maybe because there's ways that you're living like this, split into two different things. I don't have trust. Well, you can't serve the Lord and not have trust. It requires trust because he does things differently than we do. And when he says, hey, you know what? You only have 100 bucks left, but I want you to give 75 of it to that single mom that can't make her bills and she doesn't have gas for a car. You're like, well, I only have 25 left. That's not enough for me. Now, 
I just got split. I feel God calling me here, and he's saying, trust me, I'll provide for you for this need, but my flesh and my mind is saying, nope, I can't do it. The Bible says that we walk by faith and not by sight, but I'm trying to do it with just one eye open. So that I don't trip, and I kind of trust God, but my eyes aren't fully closed because what if I run into something? It doesn't work out. There are all these ways that we can become split if we don't just allow ourselves into his kingdom to assimilate and to do it his way. And that's a process. It's a process as, as you go along, and then you find out, wow, like, I thought I was, but I... I still got to work at this. I still got to keep changing that. God's growing me, changing me. And so this is what he's calling people for. So this all leads into Matthew 5 now. What happens is he grabs this big crowd of people because they see the miracles, they hear some of the teaching, and everybody flocks to it. So this is really kind of the first big sermon that Jesus is giving. And he says he goes up and he gets on this mountain, this hill, and all the people are there, and he's gathered them all in. You got the crowd you wanted. Now it's time to fire them up. Right? Fire them up with something exciting. You know? Hey, things are going to go well for you. Hey, this is going to be amazing. You're going to be eating T-bones and lobster, and your life is going to be good because God is good. Right? We're going to fire everybody up. Get them all following me. It's going to be amazing. But here's the message that he actually gave. Okay? Now, notice as we go through this that in each case, what he's saying, it doesn't fit here in the natural mind, it actually moves over and he's explaining the way a different culture works, a different kingdom works. He's saying, hey, you're wanting to come in. It's almost like stopping them at the, you know, you're, you're coming in and you get to Immigrations and Customs and they stop and they say, okay, here you go. Before you become a citizen, okay, you got to learn about this country, the history, and you got to pass the test and you got to do stuff. He's saying, okay, as you're coming in, let me teach you some stuff. Because this is how it's going to work. This is the culture. And so we look at that. Matthew 5, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. How many of you want to be blessed by the Lord? Bless me. Well, blessed are the poor in spirit. And that poor, that word poor, when you actually look that up, what it means is that literally, it's not the poor that we think of. When we think of poor, we think of like, a, oh, I got enough to barely pay my bills, but, you know, we can't get the new Xbox tower. My friends can, but we're kind of poor. He's not talking about that. He's not talking about you got the Kyrie 5s, but not the Kyrie 6s. That's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about you had to go to Taco Bell instead of Chewy's. Right? Chips and queso are almost exactly the same. It's chips and cheese, so it could be different. No, it's not the same. Okay? He's talking about something that's real poverty. What it means is to literally have nothing at all and nothing to contribute or give. It's total, complete poverty. It's not like coming and saying, Lord, I've got a little bit, Lord. i got loaves and fishes in my heart, Lord. Just do it kind of okay, but it's not enough. Can you bless it? No, it's coming saying, Lord, I got nothing to add to this unless you help me. It's a desperation of spirit. It's a desperation of heart. He's saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. When you come into God and say, Lord, none of me, all of you, change me, help me. That he wants to do that. Blessed are those who mourn. Now that's encouraging. 
right? God, I want to be blessed. Okay, well, are you poor in spirit? Do you mourn? Well, why would you mourn? There's hard things going on in your life. You know, it's not like you open up your Christmas presents on Christmas. You like pop them all out. You get them out. Everybody sits down and has the big cinnamon rolls from Nicole's Bakery. Just work in. You just start to cry. Weep because you're so mourning. Oh, I got to eat this cinnamon roll. It's so hard. Open up a present. It's the thing you always wanted. Oh, it's so hard. I'm mourning. That's not why we mourn. We mourn because something bad is happening. Something heavy. We lost a loved one. We lost a job opportunity. We can't pay our bills. Our, our marriage is broken. Like there's something going on that causes this heaviness and this mourning. It's like I just have to mourn. It's saying, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. What he's saying is in the morning that God is going to come in and that you're never alone. And there's this great, amazing awareness of life that comes when you realize, man, even at the bottom, God is with you brings us strength and this encouragement, but it's also giving us permission to mourn. So what he's saying, he's saying, hey, people might have said, don't cry, suck it up, pull yourself up by the bootstraps, be strong, do all these things, but I'm giving you permission to stop and just weep. Come and cry with me. It's okay. You don't have to be great. You don't have to be perfect. That's different than other religious beliefs. If you study out the other religious beliefs, they all lead towards you have to work your way up. You work your way up through reincarnation. You work your way up through, I mean, there's all these different things. You try to just move up, move up. Because I'm doing better, I'm doing better, I'm doing better. And he's saying, you know, it's okay not to do better. You can be poor in spirit and broken. You can be totally in mourning, and yet I'm still coming in to bless you. Because I'm not after what you're doing for me, I'm after you. I love you. I'm for you. It's deeper than that. He wants to lift people up. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Right? That's not what we look at. We look at the strong and the tough and the people that are going to go get it. And he's saying, no, you can be meek, and yet God will bring you into places of influence, into places of authority, into places of provision, of blessing and prosperity by just doing things the right way, caring for people and trusting him. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You know, the world's not that way. The world is full. You know, I mean, the, the greatest hit shows, you know, they're not about righteousness. Tune in Thursday night. We're going to do righteousness live. We're going to be in the house of people doing things righteously with a hidden camera. Wow, look at that guy. He's reading his Bible and sitting on the back porch with his wife talking. Hmm, when's the affair start? When's the craziness happen? That's what we're watching. Right? People aren't getting excited about that. They're not tuning into righteousness, and yet it's where peace comes from. It's where God brings in his, his, his fullness into our life, and he causes us to be truly satisfied. And we walk that out. Verse 7 says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. It is hard sometimes to be merciful. It is hard. Being merciful oftentimes feels like you're being walked on. How can I be merciful to that person? Like, look what they did. Like, they need to pay for it. Okay, let me knock them down, choke them a little, and then I'll say, hey, I forgave you. 
all's square, all's good. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about being merciful because we were shown mercy. But it's this taking off of our natural way of wanting to do things and then coming to the side and saying, you know what, this is God's culture and his kingdom, and I don't understand it because I feel like if I'm merciful to this person, I'm going to get just more abused and more beat up and more, you know, taken advantage of or whatever. But, you know, I'm just going to be merciful. You know, we have the story in the Bible of the, the guy who's forgiven the debts, and he was in prison, he was let out of prison, and there's this huge debt, and then he goes and he finds this guy as he's walking down the street, and he sees him, and the guy had just owed him a little bit of money. And the Bible says he runs over and starts to choke the guy, and he's like going crazy on him, like, look at you, you owe me money. And so the king heard about it and grabs him, and he throws him back into prison. He says, I was merciful to you, and you were not merciful back. Now all the debts are owed again. Well, but that's not God. We live in grace. First, that's a New Testament story that Jesus is giving as an example to us. And he also says, if we don't forgive others, the Heavenly Father will not forgive us. That's a pretty heavy bar right there. And so God wants us and requires us to be merciful to other people. You know, we look at that guy and say, how could you feel that way when you were given so, forgiven so much and then you go after a guy that only owed you a little? I can tell you right now, because I've been in situations, and the way I felt, is you look at that guy and he only owes you a little bit, but you look and say, man, if all the people that owed me a little bit had just paid me, I never would have wound up in prison. Because the reason I owed that big debt is because a lot of people didn't pay me those little debts. And so that guy right there is in trouble. Because he, he represents to you the reason that you had to react that way. I wouldn't have got that mad if that person wouldn't have done this. I wouldn't have done that if that person didn't do this. And so we become angry because... We push the blame out. So really, mercy requires just saying, okay, Lord, forgive me for the things I've done. Help me to forgive others. Take some ownership and some responsibility to actually walk that out. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Well, how do you have a pure heart? You know, David said, you know, your word I meditate on day and night. Right? How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. When we put our thoughts on things of God, it begins to change our heart, right? Guard your heart, for out of it spring the issues of life. I mean, Watching the things we watch, watching the things that we listen to, watching the things that we do. Not because of anyone else's input or opinion or thoughts, but saying, Lord, I want my heart to line up with you. And so, Lord, change me. Work on me. Help my heart to grow this way. Help it to be pure, Lord, because I want to see you. If you've got things going on in your life, like, now I'm just hungry to see more of the Lord, and it seems like he's not coming. Well, he loves you, but in order to see him, he could be right there. You're like, oh, I can't see him. Why won't God come? He's like right there. But what's keeping you from seeing him more, potentially, or me from seeing him more, is that my eyes are filthy because of what I've been looking at. And they're just covered in garbage. I can't see him. Or some of the things in my life that I'm doing or that I'm a part of, they're, they're, just, they're clouding my vision. I can't see him. But he's there. He's not hiding from me. I just can't see it. Blinded myself. And saying, do you know what? Remove that. Focus on things that are good. Do things that are good. Remove sinful things from your life. Why? So that your heart can be free to see me and really know who I am. That's what God calls us to do. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Now, he's speaking this to people who are under oppression. They're being ruled by the Romans. They're not living free. And he's saying, do you know what I want you to do? I want you to be a peacemaker. Well, Peace isn't how you get freedom. Peace isn't how you get respect. Peace isn't how you get authority. Peace isn't how you get any of this stuff. It's through action. Let's get some action. 
That's how you do it. And we got to get to war. We got to fight. We got to bless other people. So they will be called sons of God. Some of the greatest movements in history that have brought real change, that have brought real breakthrough in countries and cultures and stuff, they weren't done through arms and violence and stuff like that. They were done through people that were willing to just stand up and just continue and persist as peacemakers, bringing a, a word of change. Eventually it broke through. So it's that patience and trusting in God in those things. Well, maybe there's an area in your life, maybe it's a relationship. And you're like, man, this just doesn't work. It's time for me to fight back. Well, maybe it's just keep making peace and trust God. You know, we sang a song, you know, I've been walking around these walls. I thought by now they would fall, right? That comes from the, the story of, of Jericho in the Bible where they walk around the walls of this fortified city. And after a certain amount of time, right, the walls come down. God moves. Well, maybe you just need to keep walking. Not warring, just walking. Keep walking, keep praying. Lord, bring change. Lord, bring change. Lord, I've done everything I can in this relationship. I've done everything I can in this circumstance. It won't change. Well, just keep walking. Keep walking, keep praying. What's the worst that's going to happen but you spend more time with Jesus? I was at a, a business training one time. The lady said, said, yeah, I was in line with my daughter, and the line was like, had like 50 people in it. It was going to take us like an hour to go through it, and I was so mad complaining. I'm like, oh, it's going to take us an hour to get through here. And I was agitated and really frustrated. And finally, my daughter just looked at me. She had a teenage daughter. And her daughter, my daughter just looked at me and says, well, I was kind of happy because it's like we get to spend some time together. She was like, oof, oof. See, this waiting is causing us to have relationship right now. If I'll just stop and be calm and say, good, we're together. Let's talk. How's it going in your life? Well, sometimes when we're waiting for God to do something, we're like, God, all this waiting, God's like, hey, it's giving us time to talk. You keep coming in and praying. You didn't used to do that. Like, we're together. Let's just, I might stretch this out a little longer. Let's say you would stay here. We don't have to war. We can have peace. Blessed are those who are, check this out, persecuted for righteousness' sake. Ever been persecuted? Our minds said, don't persecute me. But he's saying, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. In other words, when you do stuff that's different, it lines up in a different culture and a different way of doing things, other people are going to look at that and they're not going to like that. It's going to make them uncomfortable. That's not how I do it. I don't want to do it that way. And so we, begin, we end up getting persecuted for that. But he's saying you're blessed for that, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. You're living in the culture that I gave for you. Verse 11, blessed are you when others revile and persecute you. This is the only thing he says twice. Blessed are those who mourn once. Blessed are those who are peacemakers once, poor in spirit once. But back-to-back verses, he says, those who are persecuted. So guess what you could expect? Persecution. Persecution. I was at a restaurant last night, and the waiter comes back and is like, can I get you some more? Would you like another soda? More water? More persecution. Fresh out. People have been being really nice to me the last couple of weeks. I'm out of persecution. So God, a little more persecution. The cup is empty. We're going to get more of it. He says it twice. So why are we surprised when it happens? Ah, got persecuted. I can't believe it. God must not love me. Well, that's not true. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Then he says, rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. So they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And he didn't say this yet because it hadn't happened yet, but so they persecuted him, Jesus. 
He walked through the same thing. Jesus shows us that the path to peace of mind is to lose your mind on purpose. Instead of having it pulled and pried and split away from you through all the circumstances of life, like I'm kind of in between, I keep getting this stretching, this hurting, this, ah, it's just to say, okay, Lord, what do you want me to think like? How do you want me to respond to things? Be proactive, get into the word and learn his way and just say, okay, I'm going to do it on purpose. Instead of learning the hard way, I'm just going to learn on purpose. God, what do you want me to respond to people when I'm angry? How do you want me to respond to people when it's a chance for conflict? How do you want me to respond to things that are, are unpure or unholy? Like, what do you want me to do? Otherwise, God slowly has to pry them away from us, and it creates all this tension, anxiety, and frustration. But the way to peace of mind is just to say, okay, I'm going to lose them on purpose. I'm diving all in. Total immersion. Fastest way to learn a language is the fastest way to become comfortable in a new culture. Just total immersion. Lord, what's your way? I'm in. Help me. Change me. That's what Jesus is showing us. We're going to end on these two verses. Romans 8, 6 through 7 says, The mind of the flesh is death. That's our thinking. It's not just sinful thinking. Well, the mind of the flesh is that sin. No, it's, it's a natural way of trying to figure everything out. And then Pastor Art says, It doesn't make sense. It makes faith. That's true. Some things don't make sense, but they make faith. It's believing God. It says, to let go of this way of thinking everything through and having to understand it all. And it says, but the mind of the Spirit is life and what? Peace. It moves you into peace to just say, okay, this is your way I'm in. Okay, this is how it works. I'm going to do it like this. And you begin to get assimilated into this culture and peace begins to come because you understand how things are going. You begin to live that way. Because the mind of the flesh, our natural way, is hostile to God. It's opposed. It's totally different. It's totally different. You offended me, I need, to, I need to pay you back. That's my natural mind. It's totally opposed to God's way. You offended me, I need to lay my life down for you. I need to turn the other cheek. It's an opposite way of living. They're not similar. God's kingdom and God's way and Jesus' way, it is not similar to the world's way. It is just not similar. And trying to make them work doesn't ever bring peace. Because in and of itself, it is nothing but frustration because they don't connect. So peace is to let go of one and to move into the other. It does not submit to God's law, and check this out, nor can it do so. It's not possible to mold your way of thinking, my way of thinking, my natural way of living. It's not possible to mold it together. It's oil and water. I can stir it all I want and try to get it there. And at the end of the day, as soon as I stop trying to stir it, guess what it does? Separates. They're not made to go together. Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, putting your mind on God's way. Lord, how do I do it your way? Allowing him to change and to renew your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. Now check this out, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Okay, in other words, God moves you. When you first come to know the Lord, you're just, my mind's trying to change. Like, what's good? Give you my own examples. I used to pull cupboards off the wall, break doors, throw stuff, be an alcoholic, do all this crazy stuff, lots of anger and rage. So good, don't break anything. You get angry, just try to walk away. That's a lot of good. Acceptable, doing that consistently for a long time and making everybody feel like they're going to be in a safe environment. Perfect. Love your wife as Christ loves the church. 
and he laid himself down for her. Actually proactively looking like, how can I help you? How can I serve you? How can I make your life better? It's this movement, and God allows us to grow through this process to understand his kingdom. But the key is for us to be putting ourselves in his hands and saying, Lord, help me to grow, help me to grow, help me to change. Like, I was like this last year, help me to be a little better this year. Help me to move, Lord, from what's good to what's acceptable to what's perfect. I want to be more like you by the time that I die. I don't want to be the same as I was when you found me, like the song says. Help me change. So my question, we're going to close in prayer, is, is have you given your heart to Jesus? Have you started with that first step? Just say, Lord, I put my faith in you, Lord. Give me a new heart. Put your trust and faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That he died on the cross for you. He rose again to give you new life. He's wiped away your sins. He's made you right with God. You need to add nothing to that ever, and you're walking into heaven. That's it. Have you done that? If you haven't, do it. It doesn't take a special prayer. There's not a special incantation. It's not a spell. Just talk to God and say, I give you my heart. Put my faith in Jesus. But the second part is, would you give him your mind? Because you can give him your heart, but hold on to your mind. Lord, you have my heart, but this is still how I think. Bow our heads and close our eyes. We're going to pray for that right now. If there's areas of your mind that you need to give to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't want to be fractured and pulled apart anymore. I just want my mind to come into your culture, your kingdom. I want to live your way. I give you everything. Then that's where we want to be because that's where Jesus is asking us to go. And we're following him. Father, I pray right now that you would just bring, Lord, uh, a revelation into each person, God, of an area, Lord, of their own mind, their own way of thinking, their own way of living and doing things, Lord, in their flesh, even in mine, Lord, that you would say, you know what, let's change that. This is how we do things here in my kingdom. This is how we think things in my kingdom. This is how we operate. This is the culture. Lord, that they could give that up to you, Lord, and just begin to allow you to change and to mold that in their life. God, to teach them your language, teach them your ways. Lord, so that they would not only profess your name, but they would carry it in the way that they live. So they could have peace and joy, God, by losing their minds and receiving yours. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, thanks for being here. We love you guys. Uh, don't take off until you love on somebody. Being a part of a church isn't just coming for a message. It's loving on each other and being a part of a family of God, right? So stick around, love on somebody. If you don't know somebody, just walk up and meet them. It's that easy. Just, hey, I'm new. This is my name. And just let people love on you and love them back, amen? Take the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.